Hey guys, I want to thank everyone for coming to my first podcast, accurately titled The Sarcastic Psychic. For those of you who know me, uh, you'll know that that title fits me very well. For those of you who don't, well, you're sure going to find out pretty soon. I am your host, Sydney Sherman. And again, I'm glad that you came by to hear a little bit of maybe something a little different than what you're used to hearing when it comes to the subject of the paranormal or the afterlife. So how I'm going to format just tonight's show, like I said, it's a little brief introduction, is first I want to tell you a little bit about me. And then I'm going to tell you how I came up with the title for the podcast, because it's not a long story, but it's actually a pretty funny one. Uh, second, I'm going to tell you about my intentions for the show, and this is going to be an open format. Uh, I want you to email me your shared experiences, your thoughts, and then, you know, we're going to talk about what we know in science and, and what we don't know. Uh, what we do know is actually quite a lot, and we're going to have an opportunity to discuss it. We're going to talk about a lot of things like fact versus fiction and how we can wean through all of that and, um, and actually pull out what's real and what's not. So we're also going to talk about some upcoming podcasts. Uh, my next podcast will be on April 30th. It's going to be called What We Know, the Science to Support the Afterlife. Is there one? So after tonight's podcast, I would appreciate if you would go to my website, uh, sydneyshermanauthor.com, or you can even email me at sydneyshermanauthor at yahoo.com, and let me know your experiences. Ask me questions, either questions about tonight's podcast or maybe something that you'd like to share for the upcoming podcast on 430. Also, I'd like to know any topics that you'd like to discuss in future podcasts, anything that you'd like. Believe me, everything is up in the air. I only make fun of some people sometime, but I equally get made fun of, so it's all good. Uh, I'm also going to tell you where you can find my podcast and uh, where you can share the podcast with hopefully your friends and your family, which would be awesome. I mean, we don't know about each other until we do, right? Um, And also, I want you to be able to stay focused. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff that maybe go against the grain and things you've never heard about before or things that maybe you have heard before. And I will probably make a few of you mad. Hopefully not. But, you know, sometimes when we get mad, it forces us to do things like maybe research things ourselves so that we can come back with that great response about, well, how are we going to get back to Sydney and prove she's wrong? Well, good. Go for it. I want you to. That's what this is all about. So first, a little bit about me. I was born in 1962 in a little town, Milford, Connecticut. For those of you who know the town, back then it was, uh, it was a very small town, not so much now. And uh, I was the youngest of uh, four siblings. I had two older brothers and an older sister. You know, mom stayed home, dad went to work, the typical 1960s stuff. And it was pretty cool. I mean, I had a normal upbringing, and I thought my home was pretty normal and simple, just like everybody else's was. I was in ballet and dance, and I did brownies and Girl Scouts and, you know, all the typical things back then. And, of course, the old Sunday car rides were always a big hit as well. I didn't think that there was anything different or obviously different about my family until I was six years old. And I was standing outside my elementary school waiting to go in for class, and a friend of mine named Ellen and I were talking. And all of a sudden, a little, I'll call her spirit girl for this reason tonight, uh, came up and started talking to me. So I responded back and, you know, we had a little conversation and Ellen kept saying to me, who are you talking to? Well, I thought she was just making fun of me and just being a jerk. So honestly, I kind of ignored her. And then I saw she was getting serious and I couldn't understand why she was asking me that question. 
And so next thing I know, all the kids in line were making fun of me and laughing at me. So I turned around and embarrassed, obviously, ran home crying to my mother. Well, when I got there, you know, my mother listened to my story very intently. And she looked at my pop-up, who was there, and said, all right, it's time, take her. Now, my pop-up's going to be very huge, as you're going to find out throughout this podcast. Huge for me and huge for a lot of understanding of things. And um, I want him to be huge for you as well. He was a great man, and I am going to talk about him many, many times. But he happened to be there that day, and uh, he took me outside to the station wagon. Uh, For of you who are old like me, you might remember the station wagons with the wood paneling on the side and the third seat to face the back. Well, he took me out to the station wagon and he sat me down and he said, you know, Sydney, you see who you see and you hear who you hear and that's okay, that's normal. But you have to shh. And I was honestly taken aback because first of all, I'm almost 60 now and I still don't know how to shush. A six-year-old certainly doesn't know how to shush. But, you know, at that point in time, I thought to myself, what, something's wrong? Is something wrong? Um, I was a little scared. I was a little nervous. So first of all, back then, adults did not share information with you. You know, children should be seen and seldom heard. And I was uh, taken aback. So I started thinking there was something wrong with me, which was certainly not his intent. At that point, he started to explain to me what it was that I had been seeing. And I'm going to explain it to you. And it is the basis for just about everything I talk about. My pop-up, as I do, feel that we come from the universe, that everything that is inside the universe that makes the stars and the planets and the solar system and the atmosphere, uh, we also have in our DNA, in our cells, and in our tissues, which is actually very true. It's very scientific about the whole thing. And that is something I would hope you would research you know, along the way. But he felt that we were a part of this vast universal energy. And then our mother became pregnant and we get what he called the candy-coated shell. You know, at six years old, I remember him telling me about this, and all I could think about was Eminem. So how much of it I was really listening to, who knows? And, um, you know, the physical self is wrapped around the energy. And it's the physical self that dies. It's the physical self that can get cancer and diabetes and have an amputation. It's the physical self that also has depression and anxiety and emotional issues. Uh, you know, the physical self can be harmed. It's time-stamped. It can only last so long. The energy? No, the energy is constant. So this is how we are walking around right now, all of us, all of you who are listening to my podcast. Uh, we're all walking around with this energy covered by a candy-coated shell. So picture yourself as one big M&M. You can choose the color. And at some point in time, when it's the time for us to die, there's a separation once again of our physical self, that candy-coated shell, from our energy. The candy-coated shell can go on the ground, cremated, whatever your choice happens to be, but the energy remains. That which makes you who you truly are still remains. All right, now I was six years old, and I doubt anybody who's listening to my voice right now, if you really think about it and put your six-year-old brains back on, you would not have been able to figure out what he was trying to say either. He was trying to, I believe, explain something to me that it was impossible for me to understand. And yet, on the other hand, I was petrified because all that came out for me that day is there's something wrong with me. So then he started to explain to me that not only were these people 
you know, that I'm seeing people, but they're dead. And I didn't know anything about dead. I'd never heard any discussion about dead. Nobody in my family had died, never been to a funeral. So that was pretty freaking creepy, I gotta tell you, for me as well. You know, I lived most of my life trying to shush, especially my younger childhood, especially during the 60s, you know, trying to keep the secret, if you want to call it that, trying to not show people about me or my family. But, you know, a few things slipped out. And in my first book, there's a few stories. You know, everybody has to tell stories, right? And, uh, but one of them I like to share, even in my library presentations, when I talk to people, because I need you to understand that I am exactly like you. I am no different than you in any way, shape, and or form. I put my pants on the same way. Try to put both legs in at the same time, but that doesn't work. So then I do one leg at a time. Anyway, I guess it's easier that way. So when I was six, seven, eight years old to second grade, you know, playing the old duck, duck, goose out on the playground. I hated that game, folks. Boy, I hated it. Number one, I was never picked. And number two, we would have to sit on that asphalt. And back then, the girls always wore little dresses. And it just wasn't a good time. And, but I also was never picked. I was not popular. So, you know, here I am sitting on the circle of these kids, just waiting for the horror to be over. And all of a sudden, here comes the most popular kid in second grade. And he's coming around the circle. And next thing I know, he taps me on the head. Now, for those of you who remember that game from your childhood, that means you're it. I was shocked, I gotta tell you. Excited, absolutely. So of course I jumped up and here I go and I am so happy because I know what this means, right? What it means is number one, I'm popular, or at least I thought that's what it meant. And then on top of it, it meant that he liked me, right? Because he picked me, right? Of course, you know, none of that was true. But either way, so here I knew that I'd probably never get this opportunity again. So I was taking my time choosing my victim. So, you know, I'm trying to look around the circle ahead of me and try to figure out, boy, who would be the best person for me to pick? Who else is popular? And yet, what I saw was a little girl sitting on the ground, a little more pathetic than I was, and a woman standing behind her saying, pick her. Well, I don't want to pick her. She's not popular, and I have to pick a popular kid. Well, I'd like to tell you that my mama raised me, right? Because when I got over to her, I did top her on the head, and I said, Goose, and I went running. Quickly realized she was not following me. So I go back, and this time I stay right there. I tap her on the head, and I say, Goose. And she still doesn't get up. I mean, she doesn't even pick up her head. So what do I do? Same thing every one of you would have done. I turn around, I look at the lady. And I said, she's Goose. You told me to pick her. She's Goose, and she's not getting up. And next thing I know, the whole circle of kids is laughing at me. It's kindergarten all over again. So my first thought was, rut row. I didn't shh. And second, those kids are going to hand it to me, boy, when recess is over. So once again, I go running into the school to hide and just waiting for the kids to come back in from recess. Well, when they did, actually, I was very surprised because they didn't say anything. They just took their seats. And my favorite teacher in the whole world, Miss Tingley, came up to me and she says, Sydney, you want to go outside and clap erasers? Okay, so first stop. Who didn't want to go outside and clap erasers? I mean, it was the thing to do. 
I actually tell people all the time, I feel so sorry for these kids now with these dry erase boards because they'll never know the joy of the chalk all over their hands and, you know, all over their faces and up their nose and, uh, you know, making those lovely dinosaurs or elephants uh, on the brick wall with the erasers. But anyway, it was a good time. And so, of course, I jumped absolutely the chance to go very quickly outside. The whole time we were out there clapping the erasers, we didn't talk about anything. But when we got ready to go back in, Miss Tingley looked at me and she said, you know, Sydney, we're all a little different. And I got to tell you, I wish I thought about it then. I wondered, and I still wonder to this day, did she know? Was she just being kind? Could she have known? I guess I'll never know. So in the seventh grade, my teacher started teaching us about Albert Einstein and some of his theories. And one of his theories, the law of conservation of energy, really stuck with me. So he started explaining to us that we are all energy beings, that what makes us live and what makes us produce energy is our very own energy. And this was a belief, a long-held belief, by many scientists and theorists and physicists. And then he started explaining that what the law of conservation of energy states is that Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can be manipulated or altered, but basically energy is constant and therefore it has been here since the beginning. So if we are energy beings, and there's no doubt that we are, then does that mean that our energy has been here since the beginning of time? Also, if we are energy beings, then technically we can't die. Our physical body does, that frail, flawed carcass, that dies. But our energy remains constant. So I have to tell you, that really blew my mind. Basically, what he was saying was everything my pop-up told me in a different way when I was six years old back in that station wagon. Now, my pop-up would not have known of this theory. He was not a learned man, but yet he knew. So that pretty much started me on my path of wanting to know everything that I possibly could about this energy thing and how it equates with our life and even our death. So in my junior year of high school, I was really starting to get very frustrated with the depiction that most people had of death. I mean, let's face it, back in that time, the movies were poltergeist, Amityville horror, and that is what people really felt happy to death, and, and what a shame. So my frustration also come from seeing people having experiences every day with their loved ones, and they feel it, they sense it, they sometimes even acknowledge it, but then they go about their business because nobody's ever told them what it was like to have an experience. You are having them every day. You just don't know what they are. Nobody's told you what they sound like, what they smell like, what they look like. And until somebody's told you that, how are you supposed to know? But I still had to be quiet because I was still a minor. After high school, I went on to college. I became a registered nurse. I got married. I had two boys, so obviously I was pretty busy. And life was good. But... Here we go again with the resurgence. In around 2010, 
of the TV shows that were extremely popular, like Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, uh, Paranormal Puppy. I'm only kidding, there's no Paranormal Puppy, but there might as well be. And once again, pushing all this misinformation. And it reminded me of all the missed opportunities and all the misconnections that I had seen all along the way. And people want desperately to know what happens when we pass. They want desperately to have that connection. But when they're being given false information and things that don't even make sense based upon science, that's even sadder. So I had decided at that time that I was gonna do something about it. I mean, at this point, I'm an adult, I'm a mother of two, I'm a wife, I'm married, I'm a nurse. So I decided to write my first book called You Are Not Alone. It's about my experiences and what happens after we die. By the way, information that is just not new, it's all there. It's been documented for quite a long time. You have to go looking for it, but it's there. So it also talks about how to get an interaction or how to start an interaction with a loved one and to know when they're around you. Also, what we can expect when we get ready to pass as well, because none of us are getting out of here alive. And the book has done very, very well, and I'm very proud of it. It's a tiny little book. It's not a huge novel, but it's an easy read, and that's exactly what I was going for. I was going for something that made sense to people, something that people can equate with their own experiences that they have had, and something that they can understand. And that's what You Are Not Alone is. The book has been bought, read, and sold quite widely, not only in the United States, but out of the country. My assistant, I joke all the time, has been bought, read, and sold on every continent except Antarctica. And I don't even think that the penguins read, so I'm okay with that. I also wrote two other books after that, one called Gifted Innocence, and that's a book for adults on how to understand and explain to children who are having experiences what's going on. Because I will tell you, friends, all of you had experiences when you were a child. They were normal to you. You didn't think anything of them. It wasn't until somebody told you that it was wrong or you weren't seeing who you were seeing and then that's all it takes. So this is a book to help clarify for adults who are interested and in how to understand when their children are having legitimate experiences and what are just vivid imaginations. The third book is entitled My Gifted Innocence, and I actually wrote that for children. It's a book that a child can read along with a parent, and they can draw pictures of what they see and understand that it's quite normal. And hopefully because of that, they will continue the relationships and continue the learning into their adulthood. So for right now, pretty much what I do is a lot of seminars, a lot of presentations, classes, a lot of speaking engagements. Right now, most of them are on Zoom because of COVID. And hopefully being able to do some in-person events coming up soon. I do have three events in May, June, and July, which you can find on my website, coming up for the Essex Steam Train. That will be in person, and that should be a great time. It's a series, 
and I hope you can make it. Again, all information will be on my website at www.sydneyshermanauthor.com. So now I want to go on to what the next podcast will be about. So the next podcast should follow in line from where I leave off today. And it's going to be at 4.30. It's going to be called What We Know. The science to support the afterlife. And is there one? So please don't forget to drop me a line in my email and any questions you have on this podcast or any questions that you might have on any of the subjects or that you want to ask me for the next podcast. And my email is sydneyshermanauthor at yahoo.com. You'll be able to find my podcast for now on my website under the tab The Sarcastic Psychic. And for now, that's where they will be until I place them up on YouTube at some further time. I'm also hoping that this will become a live broadcast at some point. Please tell your friends and your family if you like the show and, you know, give them some feedback about what you think. And please invite them to attend and also to sign up on my Facebook page. I do have a business Facebook page and it is author Sydney Sherman. And you can go on there and find out a lot of information as well. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast, learned a little bit about me, learned a little bit about what the podcast is going to be about. I hope you'll pop on for the next one, and I look forward to all your questions. Remember, together we learn. So until then, stay open, stay aware, stay informed, and stay cool.